It is my honor to be here with you all this morning. Um, as Pastor Jose said, I'm, I'm Jill Lind. I'm the Director of Congregational Care for the Evangelical Covenant Church, the Central Conference of the Evangelical Covenant Church. Um, and I, I'm most excited to be here this morning just so I can stand up here and personally thank you for partnering with the Central Conference. It's because of your partnership that some really important things for the Kingdom of God are able to get done. And I'd love to talk to you more about what those are after the service. Um, so please come and talk to me and, and I'll tell you some of the things that are going on in the Central Conference. But I want you to know that we are here for you. And we're here by you, um, and so it is just such a pleasure to be here with you this morning. And if you're visiting here today and you have no idea what I'm talking about, you know, Central Conference, even Evangelical Covenant Church, um, either Pastor Jose or myself would be happy to talk to you about that too afterwards. Um, so I've been in this role for a little over a year now. So I, I don't come to you this morning with vast amounts of experience or knowledge. Um, but after visiting over 30 churches this year and having daily conversations with pastors and lay people, after all of that, I really come to you with more questions than answers. But what I'm realizing is the importance of the questions. So I'd like to bring a few of those questions to you this morning. And I don't bring them to you hoping that, hoping that you'll give me any kind of answers, but my hope and my prayer is that these questions will linger with you, that they'll, you'll allow them to marinate in your minds as you go forward together in mission. And the first question is a very basic one. So basic that I think sometimes we forget to ask it. And that is, why church? Why do we come here for an hour or so on a Sunday morning when there are so many other things we could be doing with our time, right? Sleep, for one. But, but we set aside time every week and we, we come together and um, we gather. Why do we do that when our, when our lives can, are, are jam-packed with other things? Um, and we come and we gather with people we, we might not necessarily gather with otherwise. We might not otherwise hang out with them. I, why do we do it? I mean, it's kind of an odd thing, really. Is it because our parents did? You know, that's how we grew up, and, and you, you go to church on Sunday morning. So we've continued that. Is it because the Bible tells us to? Does the Bible tell us to? Is it because we love music? And man, you have some amazing music here. I, I can see where that would be a reason right there just to come for that. It, 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 but is that why you come? Maybe because that's the only chance during the week, week you get to sing or, or hear gorgeous music? Is it because we enjoy hearing someone talk at us for 25, 45, no, I'm kidding, 45 minutes? Maybe the snacks? Why church? I mean, we know it's about praising Jesus, but can't we just do that on our own? Well, as a person who's gone to church pretty consistently all of my life, it is a question I've thought about through the years, especially since going into ministry. 
And it can be a bit of a scary question to ponder because you don't always know where that pondering is going to lead, especially if you're asking the question because you've had maybe a frustrating church board meeting. Not that that ever happens. Or you're feeling depleted by church participation or you're dealing with a difficult situation, a difficult person maybe. But I think it's an important one to ask of ourselves and of each other during those times when it's frustrating, but also when it's great, pleasant at the very least. Because if we don't know why we are gathering, why gather? Much less invite anyone else to gather with us. And I know that this is a question that could garner a lot of different answers from a lot of different people, and, and that's good. I think that's all right especially if we're willing to listen to what each other has to say about what we value about this gathering. Well, I can tell you that the gathering of people of faith is an idea that is definitely found in Scripture. In the Old Testament, the Jews would gather for reading, discourse, song, and prayer. And as Christianity emerged in the New Testament, the communal gatherings continued with seemingly much the same elements. Serving those in need was also a focal point of the early Christian church, and it became a distinguishing factor of Christian communities in the ancient world. They took their cue from the example of Christ himself and his attitude toward others, especially those on the fringe of society and the suffering. The word church, or one of the words for church, is derived from a Greek word, kyriaka, meaning the Lord's. So the Christian church, in its most early basic form, is a gathering of the Lord's for praise, instruction, communion, and service. That just sounds so nice and simple, doesn't it? Well, for anyone, who's, any one of us who's been a part of a church community for more than two minutes, we know that that's not how it always plays out. Church isn't always nice. And very rarely is it simple. And if you've spent any time in Paul's letters to the early church communities, you know it wasn't back then either. Many of his letters were sent to churches who were in the midst of what I would call fairly intense church turmoil. You know, I think we often try to turn church into this you know, nice little gathering that we do once a week. We put on our nice church clothes and our nice church smiles, and we greet one another, peace of Christ, Lord be with you. And then we're surprised when humanity happens, right? When someone responds sharply or we don't agree about something or, or when we get frustrated with someone, this is church. That shouldn't happen in church. Well, according to the Apostle Paul, this has always happened in church. Ephesians 4, 16, 4, 1 through 16, which Mr. Olson read so well for us this morning, so I'm not going to reread it for you, but if you have your Bibles, please turn to it. But the, in this passage, Paul tells us how to work together as a church. It's a beautiful passage within Paul's letter to the Christian community in Ephesus. It talks about our calling and the effort we should make to be unified. That it takes humility, patience, hope, and love. It talks about not acting like infants, but speaking truth in love. All of those things that the church allows us to put into practice. 
It tells us who we are, what we have the capacity for, and who we are not as the Lord's. When we gather together, we also remember together, right? We are reminded of who God is, what God has done, and who we are in light of that action. We remind each other through our humility, our patience, through our hope, and through our love. And we don't always do it well, do we? We don't always do it in the promise of love. We often make things way more difficult and exhausting than they need to be. We make it about us. We become comfortable and insular. We don't always put the mission first. We become attached to antiquated methods that the rest of the world cannot relate to. I mean, the gospel does not change, but culture does. And if we cannot relate to it or we can't or we refuse to choose to not to go out and engage with it and build relationships with and serve, then our mission, our truth becomes something that we hoard rather than share. And how we do this, how we do church, how we gather in the Lord's name, how we remember together how we love and serve and forgive each other, how we love and serve the world. These are good conversations to have. They're necessary. And they can be hard conversations to have. They require humility, unity, patience, hope, forgiveness, and love. Sound familiar? But these are the conversations the arguments even that I believe we were literally born for. I believe they are the most important conversations that you and I will ever have with anyone ever because this is how we discover our part in the continued presence of Christ on earth. This is how we discern the movement of the Holy Spirit around us and how we are to join in. We know we need Jesus but we also need church. God established his church with us. In Matthew 16, he told Peter, because of his belief that on this rock, I will build my church. The church is for God, but it's for others, and it's for us. You know, one night at the dinner table, my two teenage daughters and my husband and I um, were all sitting around eating dinner, and, and my daughters were commenting on um, how happy they were that it was Friday. So I asked them what I thought was a rhetorical question, what's your favorite day of the week? And they both, without hesitation, responded, Sunday. And I said, Sunday? Really? Why? And in unison, they both said, church. Now. I also grew up loving church, but I'm not sure that that would have been my immediate answer at age 16. And if you have a teenager and it's not theirs, or you are a teenager and it's not yours, you're, you're fine. <laughs> but I realized in that moment that my girls have caught on to something that it took me a little while longer to catch on to. And mind you, we go to a small church in the city. Either, you know, on any given Sunday, there might not even be any other kids there their age. But I think that what they've caught on to is that 
in a world where they are constantly bombarded with pressure to be smart and pretty and witty and athletic and fashionable and artistic and nice and fun, that you have to fit into some kind of category of talent or beauty to have any sense of worth. That they get together once a week with a whole group of people who love them. And they get to walk through those doors and within five minutes get a hug from a 90-year-old and a two-year-old, sometimes at the same time. And I get to stand behind them and watch them breathe. As they get reminded of who they are as the Lord's, that they have precious value just because they are. And that they can use this reminder then from the Lord's people to summon strength to go out and be God's agents of peace and hope and love. And you know, we grown-ups, we need that too. And we have the weekly opportunity to remind each other of what it means to be the Lord's, to remind each other of just how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. We know that this gathering has value. It gives us opportunity to meet one another in our humanity and remind each other of who we are. We are the Lord's. We are the body of Christ. We are his beloved. And we know we know each other for the sake of each other and for the sake of the kingdom. Which leads me to lingering question number two. What does it mean for you, Northbrook Covenant, to be the continued presence of Christ on earth? Because that is what you are. Jesus established his church with us. You know, and sometimes I really wonder if he might want to redo on that decision. You know, here we are, these quasi-random groups of imperfect people that are made intrinsically different from each other, and, and we're all given the same instruction manual, right? The, the, the Bible that can be interpreted a hundred different ways. And then we're supposed to figure out how together to bring heaven to earth without doing more harm than good. Jesus, was it really the best design? <laughs> But it was. It is. Jesus did not say, here I establish my church, may it be flawless, simple, and easy. And to be his continued presence on earth, we need to seek to understand who he was when he walked the earth. Who was Jesus? And in light of that, who are we to be? Who are you to be, Northbrook Covenant? And I can't answer those questions for you. But I do know that Jesus was not contained in a building. He was out preaching and teaching and loving and healing. He was communing with the disenfranchised. He was blowing apart stereotypes. He was daring to question the status quo. Who was Jesus? He was ever communicating with his heavenly father. He valued friendships and relationships. He brought hope to the hopeless. He forgave his enemies. He loved with absolutely every ounce of who he was. 
What does it mean for Northbrook Covenant to be the continued presence of Christ on earth? What does it mean in this community, in this neighborhood, and in this world? My third lingering question for you this morning is where do you see the creative movement of the Holy Spirit at Northbrook Covenant? I started seminary in 1996. I dare to admit that out loud. Um, and one of the first classes I took was Hebrew. And honestly, I don't remember much from the class. It was a long time ago. But there's one thing that I will never forget, and that's the Hebrew essence of the Holy Spirit. Our professor said that for the Hebrews, the essence of the Holy Spirit was movement. He said to think of a river constantly moving. It winds and it bends, and in some areas it's fast and rough with rapids, and then in other areas it's, it's slow and gentle, and inevitably over time, the landscape changes, the river still flows. I think that imagery is so important for the church because it reminds us that changes are natural and necessary even when it's rough. And that's what we get to do here when we gather together. We get to discern with one another that movement, how the Holy Spirit is moving in me how the Holy Spirit is moving in us, where the Holy Spirit is moving out there, and how do we join in? And these conversations are powerful. And they can also be very hard and very scary because we don't always know where the movement is going to lead. But we do not follow in fear. We follow in faith and expectancy. Where do you sense the creative movement of the Holy Spirit at Northbrook Covenant? Because it's here. And notice I said creative because there is no force more creative than that of the Holy Spirit. And it starts here, and it starts here. It starts in us. You know, it's those crazy thoughts that won't leave us alone. Those ones we try to ignore, but they're still there. Bring them to the body. Bring them here. Bring them to Pastor Jose. He's like, what? <laughs> bring, them, bring them to your church board meetings. You have no idea how the Holy Spirit is going to use those. You know, you might say something and somebody across the room might say, oh my goodness, I had that same thought, but I thought it was too crazy, so I didn't say anything. Or somebody might say, you know, I had a dream about that same thing. Because not only is the Holy Spirit creative, the Holy Spirit orchestrates us for its purposes. We gather together to praise, to pray, to commune, to learn, to discern, and to serve the Lord and be reminded that we are the Lord's. We are agents of justice. We are providers of peace. We are homes of mercy, messengers of hope in and outside of these church walls. 
We gather to figure out together what it means to be, to be the continuous presence of Christ on earth. We gather to be instruments orchestrated by the Holy Spirit used for his kingdom's purposes. When we gather to praise and to serve our God, in the midst of that praise and service, in the midst of embodying that vision together, we remind each other of who we are, of whose we are, so that we can go from these weekly gatherings and be a people united in the spirit by the bond of peace, by the bond of mission and vision, a people of hope who are rooted, not as Paul says, tossed back and forth by the waves and every wind, people who embody God's grace rather than just try to argue or prove it. God doesn't need us for that. It was already proven long ago on a cross. But just to live into what it means to be the Lord's in all that we do, having the courage to love this world as God does. And we don't have to be perfect at it. We won't be. But we can be there to journey with one another as we try. We are the Lord's. We are his church. We are the continued presence of Christ on earth, orchestrated by the creative movement of the Holy Spirit for his glory and kingdom purposes. So now let's go and give the world a little clearer picture of what it means to be the Lord's. Amen. <laughs>